Thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening. If you are coming back again, thank you so much. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. I have another great guest this episode. She is a mental skills coach currently with the Seattle Mariners. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at S-T-E-P-H-A-L-E-1-3. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Stephanie Hale. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a great morning here in Arizona. I can't complain at all. Good. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. First up, tell us a bit about your business, Crux. What is that all about? Yeah, so Crux actually started a few years ago now. And admittedly, it's kind of a side project that I need to dust off a little bit. But it started at a time when I was struggling to get into doing as much of the mental skills work as I ideally wanted to be doing. And so I was fortunate enough to have a call with Justin Sua, actually, who was like, you know, some of the best practice you can have is reading and writing and figuring out how you conceptualize certain thoughts, certain ideas, and figuring out how to then you know, put it to a written word in a way that's digestible to consumers. And it's just a really good practice to start. And so that's really where Crux came from was this idea of where can I start to put up some content? Where can I start to facilitate more of these different avenues of thoughts, ideas, and delivering those out to really anybody who was interested at the time. And so that's where it came from. It was a little side project, but it was a really good thing for me in terms of thinking about a lot of different concepts. And admittedly, if you go look at the page right now, like I haven't written a blog post in probably a year. And so this off season, that's something I'm hoping to dive back into because I, I do really enjoy it. And now it's just about making the time to get back into that again. But that's really where it stemmed from. And honestly, it was a, it was a fun project to get into because trying to figure out like if I did eventually want to take it into the private practice realm, where would I go with that? And trying to figure out like, what is something that represents me and, how I would conceptualize my work and how I sort of philosophize that approach really. And so that's where I landed on that name of crux mental performance is that the crux of being able to perform in life, in sport, in business, whatever it might be, is that idea of how well, you know, you, your expertise on that and being willing to continue to meet that with other areas of growth and then combining those with, if I know myself really well, I know what I need to work on. I know what my strengths are and I can continue to capitalize that on that continuous process. So. Love it. Love it. What kind of talked a little bit about you know, crux, but what led you into to wanting to get into mental performance? Yeah. Um, I kind of have that traditional story of grew up playing sports, um, was really involved from a young age, like age five started playing baseball and then, you know, added soccer into the mix, played whatever I could get my hands on, I wanted to play. And so, um, you know, of course, I get into high school, and now my primary sports are more so soccer and softball. And it was probably around like that age 14 to 15, where things get a little bit more competitive, people are deciding, like, am I playing club, we're trying to make varsity teams, like whatever it might be. And um, I just had that realization that it didn't matter how physically prepared I was, how technically prepared I was, if mentally I wasn't locked in in the right way or I couldn't shake off a mistake, like it threw off everything. And so I ended up getting really frustrated by that, as you could imagine. And um, it just sort of led into this, like, how do I actually get better at this? There has to be something for this. 
fortunately at my high school, we ended up having Ken Revisa come in and speak. And I was unfortunately not able to make that conversation, but, um, you know, it at least gave me a name and it gave me the topic he was talking about. And so I looked a little bit more into it. My coach really encouraged me to look into it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, sports psychology. Like, this is what I've been looking for. This is that thing. And so that's initially what led me into it. I knew it was something I was always going to be interested in, but probably didn't get the opportunity to deep dive into understanding it at a more deep level and really spark that interest to pursue it as a career until probably junior year of college. And then I was fortunate enough to have an advisor who really pushed me to, you know, any projects we had, she was like, look at sports psych literature, any paper. She was like, dive into whatever sounds interesting to you. And we'll make sure that like our projects, our assignments can be, um, or that you can apply a lot of the sports psych stuff to what we're doing. And I was, that was awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Along your journey, you spent some time at IMG Academy. Um, Can you, Talk about the emphasis that they put on mental skills. I think I've, Justin Sua, you mentioned it, and a few other people um, that have been on the podcast have spent some time there, but I think that's the common thing. They've all been there for mental skills. Can you talk about kind of the emphasis and what role it plays there? Yeah, absolutely. I think that IMG is a great place for, well, for the athletes, but also I think like for me coming in, I started there as summer staff. So as an early professional, still in a lot of ways, an early professional, but my first few years was able to be there in that environment where mental conditioning and mental skills work is really ingrained in everything they do there. So every sports team, every sport group they have there has access to a mental skills coach. And we get regularly programmed into their weekly schedule, which is, it's great because everybody's getting that consistent point of contact. I'd say at least once a week, for the most part, depending on the sport program, we're delivering in a group setting. We have the opportunity to follow up with one-on-ones. And there's even some teams or groups that get it more than once a week because they find a lot of value in it and they want us to be back more integrated into what they're doing in practice. And so it's a pretty heavy area of emphasis for us. And um, I say us, I feel like that's still <laughs> a lot of my group there. So, um, but it was a really heavy people. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah, so it was just a good experience for, for that from the professional side, but it's, it's a part of like, it's expected. If we're going to do strength and conditioning, we're going to do mental conditioning. We have nutrition, we have, you know, it's all part of the process. Excellent. Um, it gives you, I'm guessing, you know, you talked about softball and soccer being things you, you spend a lot of time with now, baseball, obviously as well. Um, working with different sports, whether it's individual or team, what kind of approach do you adjust or take to implementing mental skills or starting off in those group settings? That's a really great question. And I don't know how succinct of an answer I have for you, (laughs) but I think a lot of it has come to doing a lot of work to understand, of course, the people and build those relationships, build rapport with, I think kind of your key stakeholders, which a lot of times is going to be, you know, if we're working in a group setting, it's, it's going to be your coaches. It could be um, the program directors when we were at IMG. A lot of times here, it's going to be, you know, if I think about my work with the Mariners, it's going to be our managers. It's going to be our hitting coordinators, our pitching coordinators. And it all just kind of stems from there. Um, so it's understanding the people, their roles, and what we're all trying to accomplish. And the other piece of it is just understanding our systems. How do we work right now? What is the best way to deliver information? What is the best way to reinforce 
or manipulate our environment so that we can actually look for the behavior change we're trying to get out of our athletes. Um, and so I think a lot of it starts there. The tough part is that sometimes that really takes time. And so finding ways to continue to push that while also being patient is something I've had to work really hard at learning how to do well. I think there's sometimes I've done it really well and there's other times I've done it really poorly if I'm being honest, but my approach is understand the people, understand the systems. And then from there, I think we can collaborate more effectively on putting better processes in place. For sure. I felt those struggles too. I think it's hard, you know, that's part of navigating different personalities, different stages of careers and, and just, you know, finding what works. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Mariners. Tell us a little bit about your role with the Seattle Mariners. And do you know Andy McKay? Oh, I, I know Andy McKay. Yeah. That's, that's good, dude. We want to get him on the podcast. I connected with him when he was with the Rockies a long time ago. was such a yeah. great guy. But uh, tell us about your role with the Mariners. Yeah. Um, so just wrapped up the first full season. And what I can say is that pro ball is its own beast in the best way possible. And so a lot of this first year for me coming in as a mental skills coach with the Mariners has been dedicated to just understanding those systems that we talked about. What does a system of pro ball look like? What does pro ball look like within our org, right? Um, looking at trying to figure out like how do you come in and this was the best part I think of my experience so far is that there's a lot of trust and autonomy put into the work that I was able to do. And um, they were basically were just like, Steph, come in. Your whole job this first year is to really get to know the people, try to understand what we're doing. And if you don't understand certain things, or there's things you think we can do better, ask questions. And I was like, okay, I can manage that. I can do that. That's fair enough. Um, but my role specifically was pretty interesting this year because I had the ability to be here at our spring training complex in Arizona. And this was kind of my home base. So I did travel a little bit to other affiliates, but for the most part, I was here work working with our rookie ball team and our rehab or return to play group, like the guys coming back from injury. And so both of those provided a lot of variety in that experience. Um, coming with that AZL group, we have a lot of guys coming up from our Dominican Academy. I don't speak Spanish fluently. And so let me tell you, that was a big struggle and something I'm still learning to do, but it's a really fun group for sure. Um, but that was really cool to be able to be with that group three to four days a week. I'm with them during practice, in their team meetings, pitchers meetings, hitting, hitters meetings, in their bullpens, in the cages. And so I had a lot of time to spend with them to really get to know who they were as individuals, who we were as a team and figure out how we can utilize the mental skills side of it to really facilitate the changes or maintain changes we wanted to actually get a lot of those performance results moving in the right direction because the reality of pro ball is results matter, right? Yeah. And we all know that, but it's, it does sometimes become a little different when that's their means of making a living. And so that was something that was pretty new to me coming from an IMG where that's their school. That's just a part of the process that they do, you know? Yeah. Um, different dynamic than the student athlete to the yes. pro athlete. 100%. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was even made pretty clear to like getting to understand a lot of the rehab group. Cause we have guys from the big league level all the way to our Dominican Academy and everything in between, right. That are there rehabbing in Arizona at times. And so 
understanding some of the nuances of their experience, their level, um, you know, the types of injuries that they're rehabbing, the stage of their career that they're rehabbing. And so it was, there's a lot to learn, as you can imagine, there's still a lot to learn, but it was a really good experience and something I enjoyed. I feel like we've got a lot of great people and great processes here. So it's been a really good fit for me. Can you kind of touch in back on, you know, the difference between student athlete and pro athlete, um, mm-hmm. working with kind of the rookie ball and some of the, the younger guys, can you, do you see notice those who have been exposed to mental training and, and those who haven't and, and how maybe that either, you know, how that plays out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a pretty clear difference, especially, you know, when we get some of our college draft guys, right? Like the good thing is that they come in and a lot of them have been exposed to mental performance or they've at least heard about it before. Um, what I appreciate about our approach with the Mariners is the mental skill side of it really is a foundational piece of how we operate. So our, hitting coaches know how important it is. Our pitching coaches know how important it is on the defensive side. We're always talking about, you know, how do we understand the way that the mental side impacts this? Like we go there before we go mechanics, which is insane. I've never really been a part of an environment like that before, but it's been great in terms of advocating for the value of our work. So I think that to say when guys come into our org, they're pretty receptive to it, but you can tell who's had a base base knowledge or at least the foundational experience with it prior to being there. And most of them are pretty receptive to it. Like they want to know how to use it, how to use it effectively. I would say that here probably more than anywhere there, you know, you better be able to explain why this works, how it works. And if you can't back that up, they're going to sniff it out. Right. Like they can't bullshit a bullshitter. And so they know when that happens. Um, But I think that the, the interesting challenge for me too has been some of the work with our Dominican guys who haven't ever had experience with this until they get into our Dominican Academy. And I would say that most of them are pretty receptive to it, but it is new and they've never had any kind of familiarity with these topics, these subjects, these strategies. And so you, you do have to spend a little bit more time finding ways to give them the experience of applying these things. And so it's been yeah, it's been an interesting experience because you do get a, like a wide variety of experience with it, even at the rookie ball level. Um, that being said, I think that it really helps that we have so many different avenues and different parts of our team with the coaches reinforcing the same messages of where this is important, why this is important and how to actually continue to apply these things in a meaningful way. Awesome. The, um, once you get to that implementation, you kind of build some of those relationships and spend in like a year with the Mariners. Is there a mental skill or something that you've just been really excited to teach or maybe seeing your athletes, you know, find some, some quick success with implementing. Um, but is there something that kind of like a skill that jazz, you know, gets you excited lately? Oh yeah. I mean, I think, probably more so in this last year than anything else, diving into the depths of how much breath work can really be effective. And I think that that's a pretty common one that we all have heard about. We all know about, we understand the way that it can be helpful. Um, But being able to dive into more of the nuances of how it can be applied, when it can be applied. And really, I think understanding how do we train the breath prior to that game scenario, right? I think that the best and worst part about the breath is it's such a simple skill that it's really easy to forget to do it. 
or forget to do it intentionally. And so I think that that's something that really across our org, we've emphasized the quality of that practice and trying to be really intentional with it. But the more that I've dove into it, the more I'm like, it's the foundation of everything that we do. Like, how do we get to the point of understanding our self-talk and where our thoughts are at? If we can't even have an awareness of like how our body is responding in this scenario, right? Like the breath is that gatekeeper or that regulator of our stress response. And in my conceptualization of how we perform, a lot of it has to do with how we can regulate ourselves in moments of stress, right? Like that's the whole point of competing. We're going to be under some um, elements of stress, but we want to be able to let our abilities come through and be in control of how we respond to those scenarios. And I think it, it starts with the breath. And if we can't get to the breath, it's really hard to get to the self-talk. It's really hard to get to the imagery. It's really hard to get to a plan or specific focus cues. And so I think it's that foundational piece for everything. Yeah. It's, it's, I heard someone say, you can't skip over it, otherwise you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can try to move on without it, but at some point it's, it's a vital piece. Right. Yeah. So um, uh, another question, what, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, implementation, different challenges with people's background skills. What brings you joy working with athletes, working on mental skills? What's some of the, things that I mean there's always those days that are just like ah right like but that's I think seeking the joy and the challenge but mm-hmm. the fruition of that what brings you joy oh man yeah I think to me this is gonna sound a little cliche at first but hear me out for me that that joy piece comes in those days where you know that you left making like a genuine human connection either helping somebody understand their experience as a person better or sometimes it's like that connection to you, right? Like, oh, we've had yeah. similar experience. We know why this has happened or we have questions about why it's happened. Like, to me, it's about that human connectedness of understanding that like we're all individuals, but we're all human too, you know? And so for me, it probably even ties into that comment that I made about the breath work too, right? Like we all experience stress. There's not a single guy on that baseball field that doesn't experience stress at some point. We're supposed to experience it. And right. so understanding how, how do we succeed in it? How do we help each other get better at dealing with it or regulating ourselves in it? And then understanding it, like we're not alone in that process, I think can be a, a pretty empowering thing for people to, I don't know, that's my job, right? That's how I feel like my job is geared around. My job is to help you know you better. And in order to know you, you have to understand who you are as a person. And so yeah, I can't think of a better day that I leave work and I'm just like, man, I feel good about this. Like, I feel like they understand themselves better or we understand each other better. And those are the days that you leave and you're like, okay, we're going somewhere with this. Right on. Um, if you could hop in a time machine. There we go. And uh, you've listened to a podcast maybe before. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you got in a time machine, went back to see 16-year-old Stephanie what piece of advice would you want to share with yourself if you had a a moment to do so? I think I would share advice that I received from somebody else was the great Duncan Simpson at IMG Academy. I, but I think I would share it with myself sooner because I could have heard it sooner. And honestly, I could hear it more frequently still at times is don't take yourself too seriously. Um, I fall into that trap sometimes as I think we all can, but yeah, to not take yourself too seriously. Like there's, 
find those moments of joy, seek them out more intentionally, understand that things can be the way they are. And, you know, we don't have to get too hung up on the narrative that ends up getting written in our heads and that doesn't make it true. And so it's something I'm working on. I've been working on and I'll continue to work on, but that's some advice that I would give my younger self for sure. 